Well, welcome. It's good to have you worshiping with us again on this first Sunday uh, of the month, on May the 3rd. And again, I want to, to thank uh, everyone who's making this possible for you uh, to join in worship. Uh, Chris Hadlidge continues to make these recordings uh, take place in the sound booth. And then in the choir, we have uh, Barb Browntree, Harold and Teresa Parker, Jocelyn Clark, Gene Hesse and Carol Walker. Of course, Amy Reber is playing on the piano. And uh, I, I should note, by the way, in case you're wondering, uh, is it safe here? Barb Browntree has been making sure that we all behave properly, has been sanitizing everything. And so we, we actually feel very good and safe that we can come here because of what she's doing. I want to remind you and thank you for all of you who have been regularly contributing as though you were here, placing money in the offering plate. Uh, Our giving has pretty much uh, held up the same uh, as this time last year. And that's because of your your faithfulness in giving. And I just encourage you to continue to do so. Now, let me note also that next Sunday would be for us a communion Sunday. Now, we cannot have uh, the communion here But we will have opportunity for you in the pavilion on the hour beginning at noontime, noon, one o'clock, two o'clock, as late as I need to go. Uh, I will offer a 15-minute communion service. We'll have it all mapped out so that everyone is properly spaced according to the social distance guidelines. There'll be no seating. No surfaces for you to touch, and it will be done in such a way we'll be using those pre-sale communion cups with the wafers uh, so that no one is touching and sharing any of the cups or, or the bread. If you would like to participate in that, though, you need to call in or email into the church and let us know and set a time that you uh, would like to come. So, again, I want to just thank everyone who's also working to make that possible as well. Now let's prepare our hearts for worship. I'm going to read from Psalm 95, which is calling people to come and worship their God. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. Let's worship our God and sing to our almighty King. Come, O Lord, 
to you, our God, our great Father of mercies, for it is by your mercy that we may even enter into your presence and sing to your glory and know that you hear, you hear your children. And we thank you, our Father, that we may come to you because of our Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, God the Son, by his work. And we have been adopted and made your children. And that has come by your Holy Spirit entering into us, giving us that faith, giving us that conviction of sin and causing us to turn to our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we praise you, O God, our Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Pray that you would take delight in the worship we offer to you. In Christ's name, amen. For our confession of faith, we'll be using the Apostles' Creed. Let us confess together our faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From this he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. For our first scripture reading, I'm going to be reading from the Gospel of Luke, verses 1 through 4. This is the Lord's Prayer as it comes to us from that Gospel. Now, Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, saying, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. Let's continue our worship and sing together, Show Us Christ.
to the Lord in prayer. Let us pray. We do give you thanks again as we come to you, O God, our Father. We thank you that we may call you our Father. You are the great God over all the universe, but you, you bid us, our Lord Jesus has bid us to call you Father, because we have been made your children. We're not merely those whom you have created, not merely those whom uh, you have uh, formed, just as you have formed all the other creatures, and not even just as those who have been made into uh, human beings. We were those who had rebelled against you, who had no right to be called your people. And yet you have not only, not only forgiven us of our sins, but you have made us your children that we know you and we can come before you as a young child to their father and know that you will receive us gladly. Father, what a relief that is. This day and this time of worship is not something that we're doing and we're hoping if we do it well enough, then you will accept us. Or that you're looking back at our report card and, and seeing how we've done this past week, or you're, you're thinking about the next week and the potential we have. You, you love us. We're yours. And you're never going to lose us. As our Lord Jesus has promised, we shall never perish. How wondrous this is. Thank you, our Father, that you are our Father in heaven. You dwell in a high and, and holy place. You are above your creation. You're not immersed in it. It is not part of you. And we thank you that it ta- speaks to us as our creator, as our king, our sovereign Lord ruling over us. So we thank you that as we who are in this world and we see the chaos in this world, and particularly as Again, this, this pandemic that has taken over the whole world. Yet we know that you sit enthroned over this world in your heaven. You are in charge, you're in control, you're working all things for your glory, for your purposes. Whether or not we can, can see it at the moment, much of it we do see. We see the working of your Holy Spirit throughout this world. There are those who have come into your kingdom. Uh, because of this crisis. There are those who have slowed down in their own lives, those who are your followers, cause us to reevaluate our lives and to see what truly matters is our walk, our faith in you. So we thank you, our Father, that you are the King of Heaven. 
We give you thanks, our Father, for your glorious name. And we do pray that we will hallow that name, that we would truly treat it, make it sacred as it is. Cause us not to take it lightly. Cause us not to, to walk in this world and, and to treat our own faith in, in a trivial matter. But to honor our Father who is in, in heaven, is our great King. May it always be before us to honor your name before others, particularly those who do not know you. So that then when they, they see us, when the way we speak to them and act before them, they too will honor the name of our great God. We pray, our Father, for your kingdom, for your kingdom to come. We thank you for its coming in our Lord Jesus Christ, but we pray for that full consummation of your kingdom when Jesus Christ returns. And meanwhile, then, we pray for ourselves here upon this earth that we will be used for the furthering and the building of your kingdom. We pray that for our church, that, that we will be faithful, not in serving ourselves, not in building up our own church, but in our church and through our church, building your kingdom. We pray that there will be those who will come into that kingdom because of our faithful witness, both as a congregation, both as individuals in the places where you have placed us. And always, Father, keep before us our true citizenship is in your kingdom and that it is your kingdom that we are to serve. We pray, our Father, for your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray for that we will do your will. It is such a high standard you have given to us of that which is done in heaven. And yet it is what you have called us to do, to to each day be always mindful of what is your will. What is your will for us? And your will is, is very clear in the scriptures of how we are to live for your glory, of what kind of disciples we are to be. May we be faithful in following uh, the clear guidance that you give to us in your word. May we always be in prayer, seeking and after you to guide our thoughts, our, our words, and our deeds. We pray, our Father, this day for our daily bread. We pray that you will, will feed us with your word. Feed us with the, the music, the songs that we have been singing. Feed us through the prayers. We pray, our Father, to meet our needs. We pray, our Father, we think especially now for your protection of us. Give us what we need to protect us from this virus. Protect our health. Protect the health of our brothers and sisters. And may we be ever mindful of how we can come to one another's aids and protect each other and, and to, to help each other along, in, particularly in this, this strange and time before us. Many of us need right now, we need daily communication. We need someone to, to reach out to us. And may we be faithful in doing that and reaching out to one another. We pray, our Father, for your spirit to be upon all who are working tirelessly to bring healing, to protect those who, uh, who are particularly at risk. We, we lift up the medical field, the, the doctors, the nurses, those who are working hard on trying to prepare a vaccine, those devising ways to protect uh, the population. We pray, our Father, for those who, who are struggling through this because they have lost their jobs. They have businesses. They are not receiving income. And a great hardship is being laid upon them. And we pray for your provisions for them. Again, make us aware, each of us, of how we may come alongside, how we may share the load uh, with one another, both within this church, but also in our own community, in our own country, indeed, even throughout this world. 
forgive us of our sins. Forgive us for uh, the, the lack of love that we have shown our neighbor. That oftentimes we have been more concerned about our own welfare, our own convenience, than the welfare uh, of others. We have not shown due respect uh, to those in authority over us. Be it from the highest office and our, all of our elected officials and those within our state and our local communities, whoever has been in authority, may we show respect and obedience to them so that we will honor your name and serve your kingdom. We pray, our Father, for you to protect us. Protect us from the evil one who would continue to lead us astray. Continue to uh, try to cause us to dishonor your name. Protect us. Keep us from temptation. Feed us in just a while as we will read your word. Continue to to hear your message. And then we pray that the, the offerings that are being given throughout the week... They will continue to be generous, but they will continue to be used by your spirit for that building of your kingdom. In Christ's name, amen.
our scripture reading, I'm going to be reading the text that uh, we'll be using this morning, Matthew 6, verses 5 through 15. This is Matthew 6, beginning with verse 5. Let us hear the word of God. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray and go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Let's pray. Father, guide us as we uh, study this prayer, so all the more it may be effective in our own lives. Guide my words in Christ's name. Amen. Well, for some of you, it may be a great surprise to you. I'm going to make a confession, and that has to do with my prayer life. My daily prayer life, really over the years, has never really been strong. And certainly something I would not hold up to others to emulate. Now, I say that might surprise you, given my pastoral prayers that I give for Sunday worship. I mean, really, throughout the years, I've received really as much, if not more, positive feedback for my prayers as for anything else. I mean, people have been, have been moved by my prayers. But I know one person for whom they actually led him to the Lord. And, I, and, I, and I'll say without conceit, I also am moved by my prayers. Now, I don't plan them. At the most, I might make some notes about petitions because I don't want to forget to, to, to pray about a particular need. Typically, I do not know what I'm going to say until I walk up to the pulpit and I, and I begin to pray. Now, I think I know why I'm able to pray more effective publicly than privately. It's that praying out loud. It gives me focus. You know, when I pray silently, I tell you, I struggle with my mind continually being distracted, wandering off. I'm praying, and next thing I know, I'm thinking about uh, the movie I watched last night, or I wonder what's for lunch, or I've got to remember to do a particular errand. And so it's just keeps going, and, and, and then it may be after a while, who knows how long it's gone by, before I suddenly realize that I forgot I was praying. Now, you might also notice about my pastoral prayers that it has structure. And typically, the way that it starts off is, is this. I will begin with, with some, something that I'm praising God about and giving thanks about. You know, very oftentimes, it's the, the hymn that was sung just before uh, that might give me uh, my thoughts, and then I'll start the praising, and then from then, I'll move to confessing our sins. And usually it's related, whatever I've been praising God about. I'll move from there to praying for the world, and then for the, the work of God's kingdom out there in the world. I'll finally start to move down to our own church, pray for our people. Until I finally get to, to us right here in the sanctuary and praying. And for the ending, I typically will mention something about the sermon, praying 
for the Lord's, the Spirit's uh, guiding of that to go forth. And then we'll say something about the offering that we're about to take up. Now, you may have noticed, by the way, I did not do that uh, this morning. And that's because I've got the Lord's Prayer so much in my mind. I just by habit began to pray as I do pray in private. So you got an idea of how the Lord's Prayer is affecting me. You know, you might have thought that I would have had a similar structure for my prayer life, the way I do it in the, in the pulpit. And, and I tell you, I've tried to do so. But again, I, I just can't keep my wondering thoughts in line. It has proved too difficult to overcome. I'll start off well, and at some point, I suddenly will come back realizing, what was it, what was it I was praying about? And so it was, I can't tell you when or how I came to the decision, I determined, you know, I think I'm going to try using the Lord's Prayer for my structure. Now, why it took so long to to put into practice what Jesus taught his disciples to do, I mean, I don't have an excuse. I, I really have no rational explanation. Now, I'll tell you now, I, I do still struggle with wandering thoughts but not nearly as much. And when I do wonder, I at least know where to come back to. Where was I? Now, this is all to explain the approach that I'm going to be taking for the next two Sundays as we look at the Lord's Prayer. These two sermons are going to be more like a, like a personal testimony of how this prayer has impacted my prayer life and through that, how has it impacted my life. So this first Sunday, I'm going to be presenting the the opening and the concluding sections of the Lord's Prayer. Next uh, Sunday, we'll be looking at that midsection. So this opening part and the ending gets our focus on God. The middle section is us asking about things for ourselves. So let's begin. You know, when I started to use the Lord's Prayer, and how do we begin? You know, I... Our Father. And I remember that just stopping there. Our Father. My Father. That's right. God is my Father. And, and that means I am God's Son. And, and it was just like there was a new thought to me. It's a wonderful thought, isn't it? It made me think about First John chapter 3, verse 1. Where John says, see what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And then he adds on there, and so we are. And so each morning, the Lord's Prayer leads me, it opens me up to that wonderful thought. Whatever happened yesterday, whatever happened last night, whatever awaits me today, whatever is going on in the world, like a pandemic, I remain a child of God. He's my father. That relationship never changes. My father loves me. And despite my failings, despite my transgressions, he loves me. You know, I don't have to try and, and win his favor today. When I do confess sin, I don't confess sin so that I can get back that love. He loves me. He's my father. And I'm his child. You know, that might lead me to think about what took place so that I can call God my father. I think about his son. God the son. Who took on my flesh. And in that flesh, what did he do? Well, he made atonement for my sins. And I think about the cost that was paid so that I might be made a son of my father. That might lead me to, to meditate on and, and then to just start giving praise for my Lord Jesus Christ. Or my mind might go in the direction of God, the Holy Spirit, who is inside of me. Why is it that I came to faith? How is it that I came to be adopted? It's the Holy Spirit who came inside of me, who has regenerated me, who has given me that, that faith and to know God, my Father. Or I might be thinking, or just 
just break into thanking my father. He's such a gracious, loving, and kind father. I might be walking as I'm praying, and I and it causes me to look about the, the beauty around me and to and to thank my father for the blessings that are in my life. And all the more that keeps leading me to further thanksgiving. So my father. It is my father who art in heaven. I think about that. My father is in heaven. And as I, as I do think about that, I remember about this as I was be, just beginning this prayer. And it reflecting on me. And I'm thinking, my father in heaven, that's, that's where I want him to be, isn't it? Because it tells me that he is not a, a creature of this world. He is not caught up in its mess. He's not like me. He's not haggard, not stumbling about, trying to keep his head afloat. He has none of my illnesses, none of my limitations. That he is in heaven means, it actually means that he is all the more available to me. Because he's above the noise. He's above the chaos of this world. And he gives me his full attention. How can he do so? Well, as the God in heaven, he is the Almighty. He's the Creator. He is the God who knows all things. He's the God who can do all things. He is actually the God who is present everywhere. So meditating on the God who is in heaven just lifts up my thoughts to to beyond this world, even to try to catch a glimpse of glory. Now it also points me to holiness. The God of heaven is a God of holiness, sitting on his high throne, where the, the cherubim and the seraphim are, are continually crying out, Holy, holy, holy. My Father is the Lord God of the universe, robed in glory and holiness. All the more wonderful then. All the more wonderful, isn't it? To know him as Father. The Father in heaven gives me an intimate God who is also a God beyond comprehension in his majesty. He is the great, incomprehensible God. He is the intimate, loving Father. So each morning when I awake, I, I think. I think about God remaining on his throne in heaven, that he has not changed. I give thanks that he will not retire, that he will not be toppled off his throne, that in this ever-changing world, God, my Father in heaven, he is my rock that I can depend upon. So let's continue here. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed being thy name, by the way, you're going to note that as I recite the Lord's Prayer, I just have to do it with the King James language. It's the only way I know. But you can, you can use any of modern language to do the same thing. But hallowed being thy name. Actually, if you go to, to modern translations like our NIV, you'll still see that term, hallowed be thy name. And this phrase zeroes in on what my day Indeed, it reminds me what my whole life is to be about. And that is honoring the sacred name of God, my Father in heaven. May I, Lord, this day, may I hallow your name. May I hold it and and display it as sacred. May I do so by, by thought, by word, and by deed. To hallow the name of God brings back to me the biblical concept of fearing the Lord. Now, we don't use that term much today. We, we love the Lord. We, we delight in the Lord. We might use the term, we might respect the Lord. But we pretty much stay away from the term, we fear the Lord. Now, the reason is understandable, because in our day, to use that term to fear, it means 
pretty much simply to be afraid of. As in being afraid of something or someone who will do us harm. But in Scripture, particularly as you go through the Old Testament, the people of God, they delight. They use that term, they delight in the fear of the Lord. A modern word that is used today to convey the same thought oftentimes is used as to revere. Now that's closer to the mark. But our problem is just with our own modern mindset. It just makes it difficult for us, with our modern ways of thinking, to go into the mindset of the ancient follower of God. For the ancient follower of God, to fear God was to recognize, was to acknowledge that God is unlike us. That he is far above us. And the person who fears God realizes that this incomprehensible God who is over us has full authority over us. And that he will do what pleases him, which may not, indeed often not, please us. He's the one in authority. To fear God is to acknowledge that creation exists for his glory. Not for ours. That God will act in ways that that actually at times will be frightening to us. Not because what God does is bad, but for the very reason that all that he does is fully good. We're the sinners. We're the ones who are fearful of that goodness. This phrase, hallowed be thy name, you might say what it does for me is it calibrates my mind as the day begins. Life, my life, is to be regulated by what honors my Lord, what upholds his sacred name. And how I go about the work before me, how I relate to my wife, how I treat everyone, How I think about everything and and everyone. Everything is to serve the purpose of honoring my Father in heaven. Hallowed be thy name also puts before me that even at that moment, I should be honoring God. I'll tell you, I'll be praying about this and be praying, yes, I pray that I will honor and, and, and do this. And suddenly I realize, well, let's just start right now. Praise God right now. Give thanks to him right now. And so I'll start. I'll begin to praise my God. And, and what do I praise him about? Well, to praise him for his holiness. Praise him for his glory, his majesty, his goodness, his, his righteousness, his mercy. I mean, the list just goes on and on. But the point of it all is this, is to begin my day exalting and hallowing the name of my Father in heaven. So let's continue. We have our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Now my first thought when I come to that phrase is to pray for Jesus' return. Come, Lord Jesus. Because it's then God's kingdom will be consummated, will have fully come and been established. I may then thank God for Jesus' first coming, because in his first coming he did usher in and then bring in his kingdom. I will pray for the Lord's kingdom to continue to spread through the work of the Holy Spirit. And then that thought will lead me perhaps to pray for missionary work throughout this world for the kingdom to be spread. I may pray for the work of the kingdom throughout the world, for the churches that are throughout the world. And then think about those who are working here locally. It's here that I will often pray uh, for churches, and particularly our own church, and that our, for our purpose of, of building up the kingdom of God, that we here at LOPC will be faithful in doing that, that I will be faithful as a pastor of this church to be building up that kingdom. 
Like, like hallowed be thy name, this kingdom come, it calibrates my thoughts. And it keeps before me what matters. I live to serve God's kingdom. And for me, pres- me personally, that of course involves my calling as a minister. And so I pray that I will serve God's kingdom as a pastor of my church. But serving the kingdom affects every role that I play. And so when I think of serving uh, God's kingdom, I think about, well, serving his kingdom and how I relate to my neighbors and being a husband and being a father and a grandfather of being a citizen in our country and in our community. In every role, in every circumstance, my priority is to ask how what I am doing, how is it serving God's kingdom? What will I say and do? Will that earn the high acclaim that I seek from my God? Well done, good and faithful servant. So let's go on here. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now I tell you, this is the first line. It's not the only one, but it's the first line in the Lord's Prayer that makes me shake my head even as I'm saying it. As in heaven. Really, Lord, I'm to pray for the type of obedience to the Lord as exists in heaven. It makes me think about what really seems to be an unreasonable command of Jesus one time that he gave at the end of the Sermon of the Mount. Be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Why, only Jesus has ever lived up to that kind of standard. He says of it in John 6.38, I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. But then when I think about Jesus, is that not what I am to be striving for each day, to become more and more like my Lord Jesus Christ? To be more like Jesus is to strive to do the will of God here upon this earth now. With heaven as my standard. And so I am not to be satisfied with, you know, saying, well, I'm doing the best I can under difficult circumstances. I'm, I'm not to excuse my falling short by, you know, well, like pointing out, you know, my own frailties or the opposition around me. And you think about it, no true champion in sports, no acclaimed leader ever does that. How do they reach their heights? Because they set for themselves higher heights than what can really be attained. And they accept of themselves no excuses. Now, I'll tell you what humbles me when I come to this line. Is when I will pray this. Lord, may I do your will in thought, word, and deed. I mean, to do God's will in deed, that's hard enough. To do it in word, in our speech, I find that harder still. To do it in my thoughts, it's impossible. But that is the standard given. And I'm not to be satisfied with anything less as my Lord is not satisfied with anything less. Does this lead me to despair? You would think it would. If I did not know that my Savior who did live that perfect life, and who thereby successfully offered himself to make atonement for my sins, if I did not know of that atonement, if I did not know that I am forgiven and I am accepted by my Father in heaven because of my Lord Jesus Christ, yes, sin would lead me to despair, as we sang earlier in one of our first hymns. But knowing God's mercy is what keeps me going forward. It's not what excuses my sin. It's what all the more makes me want to live for his will. And so I do not strive to do my Father's will on earth as in heaven so that I can win heaven. 
But as a child of my Father in heaven, as a child wanting to please him for his love and his acceptance of me already. But I don't pray this prayer for, for my, for only for me personally. I pray for all who belong to their Father in heaven. So I will pray for the worldwide church. I will pray for all believers that together, before the world, we will do the will of our Father. I pray that the church on earth will look more and more like the kingdom of God. I pray for our particular church, the more and more we will do our Father's will. I tell you, at times, I even pray for the Father's will to be done on this earth, even among unbelievers. Because I know that the Spirit of God can work in and through anyone, and in all circumstances, God's will, because of his sovereign power, will be carried out. So that even the unrighteous, even the unrighteous, can do what at times is righteous through the mysterious work of God. And that itself is another glorious thought. So this is how, again, the, the prayer opens up. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now I'm going to save the next lines for next Sunday and go to the closing here. We can easily see, can't you, how the opening of the prayer, it just focuses our thoughts on glorifying, on serving God. Well, the last line brings us back to that focus. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Again, the opening of the prayer puts our minds immediately upon that. But this last line, what it does, is it kind of gives us the foundation upon which we are able to do this. In fact, it provides the foundation for the second section, which we'll be asking uh, for our daily bread and the forgiveness of sins and so on. All of this is going to be founded on the reality of what this last line says. It speaks of the kingdom. The kingdom in which our true citizenship lies and to which we uh, are devote ourselves in service. That is the kingdom of God. He is our king. We live under his authority and protection. We live to serve his purposes. Then, thine is the kingdom and the power. It is the power by which all creation exists and operates. It is by God's power. It is God's power that sustains us. God's power that enables us to serve him. He is God Almighty, the sovereign king, through whom all things exist and have their being. By his power, we are able to live, to serve, to live for his glory. And that leads us to his glory. The purpose of the kingdom, the power by which to serve in this kingdom, all of this is for the true end to glorify God, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's our shorter catechism, isn't it? The first question and answer, what is man's chief end? Now, this line, I was thinking about it, runs parallel to another verse. In Romans 11.36, which we read, For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. And so for from him, that is from God, from the base of his kingdom, that is of being citizens and, and servants of his kingdom, and through him, through God's power, and to him, are all things, everything we do, everything we participate in, are to be for God's glory. The Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is all about God. It is all about His glory. We're going to see that even next week. The Lord's Prayer is all about God's glory because that is what life is all about. And this is what the prayer has helped me to understand. 
Now you might ask, are you telling me, Pastor, you did not already know this truth? Well, sure. Of course I knew it. And if you had asked me what is life about, I could give you the right answer every time when you ask me what life is about. Has this truth guided my thought, my speech, my deeds every day? Well, that's another question. And the truth be known, I tend to be guided too often well, by whatever that day's circumstances may be. My thoughts tend to revolve more around well, what my personal desires are for that day or what my fears are for that day. I tend to think more about me than I do about God. That's why I need this prayer. This prayer that Jesus gave to his disciples, it, it refocuses me each day. And hopefully, more and more, throughout the day. Really, the Lord's Prayer asked me asking, and it, it, it has affected me throughout the day. Of how I react to, to anything, like thinking of the pandemic. And we have all these restrictions and all this opposing ideas and and what we should be doing and not be doing and what's going to take place. Well, what the Lord's Prayer has me asking is, how does this further the cause of God's kingdom? How will what I say and do further God's kingdom this day? Whether what I say and do before my neighbors or whatever work that I'm called upon that day, How will it honor my Father's name and serve his kingdom? The Lord's Prayer also reminds me each day that I am always, that I am always a witness for my Father and for my Lord. When I get upset that my will is being foiled and start to get grumpy and and about to say something or do something, the Lord's Prayer kind of whispers to me and says, Is your will in line with your father's? Is this going to fulfill what he wants of you this day? Is this going to honor him? The Lord's Prayer has me asking all kinds of questions throughout the day I didn't normally give thought to. It's asking me, do I take delight in what really matters? Do I take delight in being a son of my father in heaven? Do I take delight in living in his kingdom? And and the pandemic can have no effect on that. And all these restrictions and shelter in place or whatever can have no impact on that. And so it's, it's forced me to see what really matters. It's asking me, do I truly take delight in honoring, in glorifying my Lord, my Father in heaven in his name? Do I take delight in being given the high calling, and it is a high calling, to do his will, of knowing how, of knowing furthermore how I live. I know how I live. I live because of uh, the kingdom and the power and the glory. I, I know that I live by his power, that I'm serving in his kingdom. Even more importantly, I know why I live. It's to glorify my God. That's a wonderful piece of knowledge to know. And it'll take me through any kind of pandemic or troubles that a day may take place. The Lord's Prayer reminds me each day that to live for the glory of my Father in heaven, this, this is what life is about. We give you thanks and praise, our Father in heaven. Give you praise that for the great truths that this prayer expresses. That God brings us back again and again to you. May each day, may each day we wake up with that thought. Whatever prayer that we make, we're reminded that you are our Father. You are enthroned in heaven. We are your children. You will be there for us. You will take us through this day. And we give you praise in our Lord's name. Amen. Let's close and we're going to sing together, How Great Thou Art.
And now may grace, mercy, and peace be with you from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son in truth and love. Amen.